Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. On episode eight of the Leadership is Female podcast, we have Lisa Fahey, President and Chief Marketing Officer of Fan Compass, the premier digital fan engagement platform for sports. Lisa has her MBA. We will talk about what that meant for her and her career, and in turn, you might be able to start to think about if an MBA is right for you. We talk about stepping out of her career to take care of family. She left the workforce for a time and she'll give us information on what it was like to re-enter. Spoiler alert, she knew what she wanted, she got it, and she picked up right where she left off. I think you'll enjoy hearing from Lisa, an intelligent, thoughtful, future-focused leader in sports industry. Episode 8, here we go. Today on the Leadership is Female podcast, we have Lisa Fahey. Lisa is the president and CMO of Fan Compass, a San Francisco-based sports technology company. Lisa is a strategic leader who brings classic experience in consumer packaged goods to the business of sport. In addition to rebranding Fan Compass in 2016 and driving the company's international growth and expansion, Lisa became president of the organization in 2018. Prior to Fan Compass, Lisa held roles with Kraft Foods, PepsiCo, and pre-acquisition growth company Annie's. She's had extensive background building brands to drive profitable growth and has led Fan Compass to expand its product offering and increase its premier roster of professional clubs, including Liverpool FC, the Cleveland Browns, Syracuse University, and most recently, the league-level relationships with MILB and MLB. As a graduate of Indiana University, Bloomington, Lisa received an MBA from the DeMore McKim School of Business at Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Thank you, Emily. I'm so glad to be here. We are so thrilled to have you. And um, I know I read your bio for everybody, but I want to hear from you. Tell us who you are and how you got there. Yeah, so um, my role today is very different than when I started. Uh, my role today is president and CMO of Fan Compass, which is a, an emerging leader in fan technology in the sports industry. And what that really means is uh, together with the CEO and actually founder of the company, I'm responsible for leading the growth and the operations of the organization. That is awesome. Um, technology is top of all of our minds in sports right now. So can you tell us your thoughts about sports in the digital space? How do they intersect and where do you see it going in the future? Yeah, sure. Actually, um, it's a great question because it parlays also into the question of how I got to where I am today. Um, and 
I'll start there because I think the background of uh, my experience is best to be able to answer that question. So, you know, how, how I got here um, was not really a linear path. If you look at my LinkedIn profile, you'll see a lot of different, uh, different roles in different industries. Um, I spent the majority of my career in consumer packaged goods. So um, I would say my career began really after my MBA. I went back, back to school, back to business school. And my first job out of business school was for Kraft Foods. And what I realized really uh, quickly is that um, I loved it. So I loved everything about um, brand management is where I ended up. And I was there for about six years, I think. And it really gave me the foundation that I needed um, in order to take on the future roles that I was about to um, embark on in my career. Uh, but I got to work on the big brands like Jell-O and Cool Whip and uh, Crystal Light and Kraft Mac and Cheese and DiGiorno Pizza and it goes on and on. Um, and just the, the experience that I was able to get, one at a large company, um, but also, you know, as a young person, you know, coming straight out of business school, they kind of have it all set up for you. So uh, you have a career path with the company and you also have you know, a lot of educational opportunities as you go along. That's actually part of your planning and your career planning. So learned a lot um, at Kraft Foods. I was in both offices, the New York office and the Chicago office. Um, and then what happened was I got the call of the wild. So this is gonna date me a little bit, but this was back in the time when the internet was just on fire. And I was young and single and, you know, I thought, you know, the pinnacle of my career. And I got the call to jump into this wild space. And so I did, but a little too late where others went before me. Um, I really wanted to make sure that I got everything I needed from craft for my career and ended up jumping into um, the internet right before everything kind of blew up. So that was, uh, that was an interesting time. Um, but what that did for me was it made me think about what I really wanted to do. Do I go back to sort of corporate, the corporate world, or do I start something on my own? And so that's another kind of trend that I've had in my past, even at Kraft Foods, um, where I was given more entrepreneurial brands to work on, like DiGiorno Pizza, as well as a new products role. So uh, the whole idea of starting my own business was really in intriguing at the time. And so I stayed within food and beverage and I started a business, um, Healthy Foods for Home Delivery. And it was way before all of the things that are happening today. Uh, so that at that point, learned a lot about starting a business, bootstrapping, entrepreneurship, et cetera. Um, and then that helped me also understand what I wanted to do next. It's really hard to do it all on your own. It's really hard. Margins are, are small in food, especially when you're on, you know, the, the small delivery side. Um, but at that point, then I ended up going back to the corporate world, but in a hybrid role, as far as I was thought about it, um, I went and worked for PepsiCo. Um, also, this was all on the East Coast. And with PepsiCo, um, I went back still under health and wellness. So it was kind of a hybrid for me where my passions of health and wellness were still um, being uh, you know, cultivated, 
but in a larger company environment that I had just come from. So I started working on, I'm still in brand management, started working on water, like one of the healthiest things in the portfolio. <laughs> so. I, can, I can think of like all of these times in the marketing world in my head as you are articulating this. I remember the Super Bowl right before the dot-com bust where every yep. commercial was about a dot-com. I remember when water started being advertised. Um, this is so fun to listen to. Funny, right? So yeah, so was able to kind of work on the water category when exactly what you're talking about. At that time, water was just taking off. Um, the interesting part for, an, for probably another podcast is how it was the most unprofitable business in the whole portfolio. So that, that's for another talk. But uh, you know, from there, um, I also realized that as much as I loved health and wellness and as much as I um, really wanted to make an impact on a, on a greater level. I missed the kind of entrepreneurial side of things. Um, you know, so that's when that parlayed into kind of taking it all together, putting it all together and going to work for Annie's, which is a small growth company, not as small as my venture, right, with all the challenges, um, but also not as risky from a brand standpoint, because they had been in the marketplace now for I think at that time, 10 plus years. So they had a nice, uh, you know, a nice position in the marketplace. It wasn't a true risk, like when I went to, you know, the call of the wild, but it was able, you know, it was a real sweet spot for me because I was able, you know, as one of the, um, you know, I think there were under a hundred employees when I, when I started there and I was able to sort of bring my experience that I had had um, in, in other areas and other companies into this space to help grow that business. That's very, very cool. And so when did, um, when did you decide to get your MBA? I want to backtrack just a little bit. I know sure. there's a lot of people who are considering this move right now. So I want to talk about how you made that decision. How did you decide where to go to school? And what advice would you give to somebody who's considering leaving their career temporarily um, to pursue an MBA? Yeah, I would, um, I would actually say that you heard me say earlier, I believe my career started after my MBA. And I think that's a really poignant point that I want to make because um, I have always had, you know, a work ethic. It's, you know, it's in my blood. My dad was an entrepreneur um, coming from a corporate environment as well. Uh, and I started you know, working at the age of 14. So all those jobs, I call those jobs. Before, even after college, I was in retail. And I, call, I still call them jobs that are part of my building blocks that got me where, you know, where I am today. But really the MBA and going back, um, you know, college is important of course, but it was really business school that broadened my horizons. Um, and I wouldn't say it, it's specifically the badge of the degree. What it was, was uh, what I learned and how I learned. And it's, you know, what I look at college as, um, sort of college opens your mind, right? And it, it exposes you and gives you experiences to different things. But I think business school for me, I can only speak to, you know, to B school, but it broadened my critical thinking skills. So whereas in college, 
you would, you know, you read, you take a test, you get an A. In business school, it was more like real life. You really had, you know, I'm a problem solver, um, you, but it wasn't about problem solving with this small little set of, you know, what's in the book, if that makes sense, like the book answers. You really had to step out of that and think about real world situations and draw upon things that you don't personally know. And you learn how to use your resources and you learn how to research and find out what others are doing and take all of that together to, um, to solve whatever problems in front of you. And I think that's really important um, and propelled me into what I call my career today. And I hear you use the term building blocks. I think you and I share something in common in that we both have seemingly nonlinear paths to our role right now, but we can both agree that all of our past experiences creating, created these building blocks that make us better at our jobs today. Can you identify a few of your building blocks and maybe you taking that look back might help somebody who's in a current situation that says, hey, I'm not really sure if this role is getting me to my, my next destination. No, I love this topic. Um, I have, you know, I've had a lot of people working on my team over the years and I've always given them the same um, counsel and even the ones working for me now. And that is, uh, you look at your career as that, exactly what you said. It's more about, it doesn't have to be a straight line or a straight path, but make sure whatever role you are taking on, that you look for the projects and um, the opportunities that you need to build out, you know, I kind of call it your own toolbox. I was told early on that no one is going to guide my career as well as I can guide my own career. You'll have mentors, you'll have, you know, human resource people who are guiding you. You'll have, you know, if you're in a big company, you sort of have a path with all that education I was referring to. But at the end of the day, only you can make sure you get what you need in, at each step. Um, so when you're thinking about, and the way that I also talk to my team, and if they're listening today, they'll sort of chuckle, um, is that, you know, every business has needs, uh, at the time. And so when projects come up, the, you know, the, the role for me is to figure out who has the strengths, you know, what are the resources, who has the strengths to work on this and can contribute. And then as well, I'm thinking about my team and who needs to have this experience. And so again, I said sweet spot before, you really need to take the needs of the business and the needs of the, uh, you know, the employee and figure out, or the teammate and figure out um, who's best for the role. But that also is the flip for them. They should be listening, hearing, seeing the, the projects that may be coming up, maybe create their own projects. You can do that in large companies too. If you see a need, stand up and say, this is something that I could contribute. And as you're thinking about your full career and your toolbox, find your gaps and start filling them that way. So 
I guess what I'm trying to say too is it's not specifically about the role you're in today, it's about what you do with that role. And not only is that gonna help you from a skill set standpoint, but it's also gonna help you down the line be able to, in interviews for new positions, you can demonstrate what you have done directly, whether you created it and or owned it. So this is a common theme that's come up as I've interviewed successful women in sports, successful women in business, is that a leader, a leader in your company can help you as an individual find the right role to fit. You know, they can hire you, they can bring you in, they can help direct you to some of the things that um, are the most important for the business. But ultimately, it's up to you as the individual to guide your career as much as you can to raise your hands for the, pro the projects that are going to add the correct tools to your toolbox to make you the best that you can be uh, for the next opportunity down the road. Absolutely. So we haven't dove into Fan Compass just yet. I think we've taken, taken your path um, just about to the Fan Compass doorstep. So I wanna talk about um, your role as Fan Compass. You've made some really big contributions to, to that company um, when, when you brought on board and then a couple years later, uh, were given the president and CMO title, helped with a rebrand, international expansion. Um, so, hey, let's hear about this. Tell us a little bit more. Okay, so um, this is actually a great time to talk about, you know, after Annie's, um, another thing that I think is really important as I counsel a lot of um, women in business and, you know, up, up and coming women in business, um, the, the question is always about balancing family and work, family and career. And, you know, I had the same, and I think it's different, a little different today, you know, so we always have to remember the people who came before us. Um, but when I was, you know, starting my family, that was a big question. And it was, you know, when, when do I get pregnant? When do I have my first child? When do I start my family? But really what ended up happening was then I was able to go through that without any issues. But then I had my third child and I had aging parents. And so I had a hiatus and I took care of my family. And that segues into Fan Compass because it gave me a time to, you know, I took a few years to really focus on the, my family life. And um, I think you had asked me earlier on too, like one of the biggest hurdles um, that I had faced in my career. And I really, I had to think about that because, and it might be just my view of the world, but I couldn't really come up with big hurdles in my career because I think I just didn't look at it that way. I probably had several, but I never, I saw challenges, but I never saw hurdles. Um, but if I had to choose a hurdle, it was probably when, after I had taken off a couple of years, how do I re-enter? And at the same position that I had had um, when, when I left or when, you know, when I took the break. And I do a lot, again, a lot of counsel there um, with my peers, as well as um, some other, uh, you know, friends of friends who are facing the same thing, um, whether it be just a, a life change or whatnot. And, you know, I don't know specifically if I would say how, you know, how that the word is overcome it, but I think it's just the way you think of things. So instead of thinking about 
what you, you know, the gap that you have. Think about who you are, what you've contributed in the past, and where you want to go. And that's what I did to start working with Fan Compass. So that was why I just wanted to segue from, you know, from Annie's to Fan Compass. There was, you know, a couple of years in between where I focused on my family. And then I really was able to think about what I wanted to do. I think that perspective is incredible because I, sometimes we can get stuck focusing on the negative. And for this example, if you focused on that negative space in your resume, not in your life, because right. you, you were able to do the things that were the most important to you, which is absolutely paramount. Um, so you focused on what you had done prior to the break, what you could bring to a company moving forward. So assuming you enter these interviews with confidence and you land this role at Fan Compass, um, what's it like getting, getting that train rolling again? And um, I see from, from your resume, you've got the success, you had success in those two years. Um, what did that feel like getting, getting up, and, up and going again and helping a company grow internationally? Yeah, you know, I really didn't feel like I missed a beat. I may have missed some of the technology, but really we're all using technology in life, whether it's personal or professional. Um, so it, it was a very quick, um, you know, a, a quick ramp, ramp up to get, to get back. Um, and I think that's part of the misnomer as well, is that I think a lot of women think that they've missed so much and that they're you know, afraid of what that ramp up's gonna look like. And so what I always tell them is, it's really not what you think. You know, it's like That's anything, great. just you, know, you, know, you jump, jump back in. Um, so again, looking back, it was just another building block of the career was taking the hiatus to do what I needed. And you had mentioned before, like you said, with the sports industry, um, sort of in the state where we are today, there are a lot of people in this position right now. You know, they, it's, again, not thinking about the negative space, of course, you know, there are challenges, but instead flipping that a little bit and, and it's somewhat of a gift, it's hard to see right now, but it is somewhat of a gift to be able to really sit down and think through what do I wanna do next? Where do I wanna see myself? Where, what have I done that I can talk about and demonstrate to get to where I wanna, be. And that's really what I did. I mean, if you see, I went from consumer packaged goods to sports. And it, it, it isn't as dis disjunctive as it sounds, because what I said to myself was, I love doing what I do. I love marketing and brand management, which is basically general management. That's what, uh, it, you know, brand management is you're a general manager of a brand, which out of Kraft Foods is like a Fortune 500 company in its own. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. So I was able to sort of think about, okay, but I could go back to food and beverage. I could go back to consumer packaged goods. But at that juncture, I really wanted to still be in the growth space. I didn't want to go back to a large corporation. And... I also wanted something new. So I didn't want to change what I do or my skill set or my job, but I needed something for personal and professional growth. And being in the Bay Area, 
I knew technology was right in front of me. And that was the way of the world, which kind of goes into some of the questions you had about digital. Uh, I knew it. I, you know, in my former roles, I would lead agencies to do that kind of a work, kind of work, or I'd lead, you know, to build the websites or do any of the digital work. I was always sort of leading as, um, you know, as, as from the leader, the client side. But I knew for my future, I needed to really understand under the hood. And I got a little bit of that at Priceline, but not really from the engineering side. Again, I was sort of leading the, you know, I, was, I think I was a general manager at the time. So I was leading the more the business side. So I start and I'm in the Bay Area. So I started really looking at companies that were in technology and how do I parlay my experience, which is not that at all into a technology role. But I also wanted a smaller emerging company. So I really kind of knew what I wanted. Um, and I just, I really think that because of all the different experiences that I had, it enabled me to know what I wanted at that point and then start identifying and talking to people about what existed around me. And this was literally in my backyard. Hey, just a quick break to remind you to head on over to emilyjansen.com to download your free copy of the top 10 myths about being a female leader in sports. This guide will debunk the top myths and lead you to the top. This guide will show you what's possible to achieve in life while having an incredible career in sports. Head on over to Emily Jansen, that's J-A-E-N-S-O-N.com and grab your copy. It's free. Now let's get back to this great interview. Here I was looking in Silicon Valley and I was looking you know, I, I'm up in Marin and I was looking at you know all the places where I thought technology was but technology is everywhere and I found this this was literally like the next town over the stars aligned that's for sure um, and for my audience a lot of the listeners work in sports and um, lots of different roles um, within the organizations um, but I can say from my perspective one of the biggest spaces where I'm spending a lot of time is considerations for tech, um, all different kinds of technology to enhance the fans' experiences at the ballpark, to um, enhance corporate partnerships, to really um, show the data, further the brands. Um, the Fan Compass is a tool that can do that. Can you talk about some of those trends and um, how are different teams, different um, different sports utilizing technology to elevate uh, their brand and their brand partners? Yeah, sure. Um, and this comes back to being able to answer your question from the very beginning, uh, just about digital and the intersection of technology and sports. Uh, and the reason I kind of wanted to go through my progression to answer that is because when I was working in consumer packaged goods, uh, we were already you know, light years ahead, not knowing at the time when I was there, um, but we were light years ahead on the data front. And when I first started working in sports, I just assumed that every industry was already there. And I found out very quickly that that wasn't the case. And I see you sort of laughing. Yeah, I'm smiling right now, kind of laughing. Yes, for sure. So 
I think that the opportunity exists to go back and look at, I mean, it's not really even reinventing the wheel. It's just, it's just uh, moving the car to the line where everybody else is. There's so much opportunity in sports to bring in more technology. And right now, I, what I've watched over the last five years is the sports industry, no matter what the size of the club, whatever the league, everyone's on a different journey for sure. And some might be a little more accelerated than others. And I think you'd be surprised to know that it's some of the smaller teams that are a little more um, innovative and a little further along than even some of the very big uh, you know, global teams. But I think at the end of the day, there's such an opportunity to continue to build the infrastructure, which I'm seeing now, you know, four or five years in, but also everything's very disparate still, even the ones that are ahead of the journey and have a lot of different technology at their fingertips. The next step is to have them all speak to each other seamlessly. So that's what, that's what I'm seeing in the industry is I love that the architecture is coming together. I love the investment in technology. Um, you can learn, you know, the, the clubs who are on one side of the journey can learn from the other, but the next generation of technology is making sure it can all work together seamlessly. And then also it's data, you know, and we, everyone talks about data but we are really big proponents of the right kind of data. Uh, we only do first party data, which means that uh, fans come in and they, they get to choose what information they give to the teams. And it's kind of an easy ask because fans are so passionate that they want their teams to know more about themselves. So that's, it's, it's not as difficult um, for the teams to glean this information, but they need to do that more, right? Like a lot of clubs really don't, they know their fans are out there, but they really don't know who they are. And this all goes back to my life in consumer packaged goods where the analytics and the analysis and the segmentation and really understanding who is eating your product and consuming your product, who's buying it and then who's consuming it, is, uh, you know, that was just, we just would live and breathe that. And so I think there's a really big opportunity there to delve into that a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, this conversation is so energizing for me because I'm so into marketing and digital. And um, one of the trends that I've noticed just in, in different sports industries is we have sort of this first person data. And it might be a little bit different from one person in the front office to the next, but you have this general idea about who your consumer is. And the thing is, is we don't have to have these general ideas anymore. We can collect fan data through really engaging, fun contests or experiences to really learn about them and what they want. And it takes out the guesswork in the different promotions um, or, or enhancements that you're making to your game or your stadium because you can just ask the consumers what they want. I mean, ultimately, you're right. creating a product and an experience for those fans, um, not necessarily just for what you want to see on the field. So that's what gets me the most energized about, about these tech products. And um, you talked about the architecture 
And I think that's one of the biggest challenges team side is making sure that you're creating a tech stack that can communicate. And you don't want to have technology that does things within these silos. And um, I'll tell the audience, um, my experience working with Fan Compass is that you, you and your team, you're so innovative. You're always looking for new partners in the tech space. So you're not, you're not just clawing to the top for yourself. You're trying to make it better for the whole industry. And that's one of the things that I um, really admire about Fan Compass and the brand. So I'm going to give you a little, little cred there. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that because I can't wait to take that back to the team because that's what we talk about every day. And, you know, our account services team, it's about not, you know, it's not pushing fan compass forward, you know, all ships will rise. But if you, if our, if our customers aren't able to use the data that we're, you know, that we're feeding into the system or don't know how to use it, or even don't even know how to acquire it through the content, then the tool doesn't mean anything. So that's what we talk about here every day is what else can we do? And we, we manage it on an individual basis. Cause like I said, every club is different. Every league is different. So depending on where they are on the journey, that's where we, we talk to them where they are and we try to educate from what we know, from where we we're sitting and what we're seeing across the pond and can mm -hmm. translate to, uh, you know, to across all of the clubs, again, all ships will rise. Yeah. And that's a fantastic attitude for a company to hold. And so I want to ask you, because I think our audience is always curious, what are, what are people doing day to day? What is, what is your day to day, week to week, season to season look like? What is, what does your staff look like? What does winning a new client look like? Just shed some light um, on what it's like to work inside Fan Compass, which is a digital uh, product for sports. Um, hard to call you guys still a startup, but um, talk to me a little bit about the culture, um, opportunities for employment, you know, who are you looking for in your staff? Let's, let's hear about it. Yeah, sure. So it's funny, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, how do I answer? And it probably looks a lot like my non-linear LinkedIn profile that I mentioned before. Uh, it's really, even though the, you know, the dots can connect, every day is a little different. And we are evolving as the industry is evolving. And the pandemic has really changed, as we know, the world, but it's changed even the face of our business. Um, so day to day, it's really, you know, we're in a very nimble, you know, technology environment where we can look at the trends and you know, we don't have a huge ship to move that takes you know, a year. So every day is a little different. And um, right now what we're focused on that we haven't talked about, I mean, of course we talked about the data, we talked about the fan engagement, we talked about you know, the fans being able to connect with their, their favorite clubs. Um, but really what's emerging right now across every Every league, globally, every geography, all of sports is what you said. It's the digital partnerships. And uh, we are focused because of the pandemic. We have completely pivoted and focused really around um, you, helping our clubs use our tool to convert 
all of the entitlements that may not be able to um, be fulfilled, physical, in ballpark, in stadium, in venue, um, and others, there are many, to the digital platform. And we're one of many, you know, we, we're one of an arsenal of channels that you have to use, but again, one plus one equals three, if you can take our tool and the social channels and, and, and have all of it be integrated and help brands integrate into your ecosystem digitally because of the, the not being able to do that physically right now. Yeah, and I think it's even more than the right now, the physical part, because brands are looking for more than a sign inside your facility. They want a relationship with your fans. They want to know about them. They want to connect with them. They want to serve them specialized offers. And you can't, while, while major branding still has a place and is very important that outfield wall pad or um, that dasher board um, or that sign in a digital sign inside a, an NFL stadium that all still has a tremendous value but there's another step and that digital connection um, is, is so much deeper and more measurable and then especially today obviously we're living through unprecedented times um, but what I think it's it's doing is helping us move forward quicker than we probably would have had we not been in this situation. Because if you can't have fans in the stadium, well, how are you gonna to continue to, to deliver value? And one of the tools that we can use is digital. So I think integrated, even more integrated partnerships um, in person and digital are, are here. They've been here, um, but they're gonna come back stronger than ever um, as we get back to real life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think just from the brand side, the digital channel allows brands to integrate better um, and integrate and not only access the consumer and the right consumer, but there's interactivity. There's, there is a role for the sign, you know, the, the signage in the ballpark. There's a role. That's the brand equity part of the equation of marketing. So brands look at equity and then they look at promotion and then they look at affinity. So the equity is sort of the thing that just sort of, uh, you're always um, straight lining the equity. You're, you're just sort of being ubiquitous in the target market. But it's that integration point and those promotional points where you really um, get the hearts and minds of the consumer. And I think digital is the best way to be able to do that because it's not just push, right? Most of the traditional marketing elements are very push where this is more integrated. It's more of a dialogue um, between the two. Dialogue is a great word to use. That is perfect. And so I could talk to you about marketing for hours <laughs> on end, um, but as a woman at the top, top of your game, um, top position in your company. Um, let's leave the listeners with a couple of key tips. So what would you tell women who are trying to make it to the top? They're ready to level up. Um, what does Lisa advise? So I think at the end of the day, it's really being true to yourself and to where you want to go because that authenticity 
is going to propel you forward. And think about everything you've done to date and look back and see where those dots connect. Um, sometimes I have to do the same thing. And like I said, with my, with my LinkedIn profile, with my resume, all the jobs that I've had, I mean, it, when I look back, what guided me, and this was just internally, um, was all of them, I always looked for ownership, being able to take ownership over something, even, even in my early roles, um, where I didn't have ownership over the whole business, but I could take a piece, right? Um, and knowing for me, it was left brain, right brain. I needed a balance of both, and that's where general management and brand management, excuse me, specifically comes in because of the marketing piece in brand management, and then you also have the operational. Um, and then you'll see also the, you know, sort of the dot, the dots around the entrepreneurial spirit and just about everything that, that I've done, whether big company or small company. So I think just really um, make, taking an assessment of what's important to you and then going back to that toolbox and thinking to yourself, all right, and if you don't know, ask. That's where the mentors, like you said, leaders in the organization, hey, this is what I really, where I want to go. What are the pieces that I need? And then figure out how to get those pieces in whatever role you're in. Um, and then just realizing that all of those are building blocks, that it doesn't have to be a straight line. Building blocks and toolboxes. We will take that away 100% from today. And as you know, I love to end the interview with your favorite motivational quote. Please share. Okay, so uh, what we like to say around Fan Compass is every problem has a solution. So flipping that on its head, uh, I believe it was Albert Einstein. There's a little debate around this, but at the end of the day, this quote, wherever it is sourced, is stay away from negative people. They have a problem for every solution. <laughs> wow, that is a mic drop moment right there, I think. I think everyone <laughs> thought, bing, your antenna went up, um, that it totally makes sense. And, you know, really drawing that back through, through this interview, you want to be around the right people, the right teams to be able to carve the right path for yourself um, and create those building blocks to level up in your career. Where can our listeners get in touch with you? So uh, you can please connect with me on LinkedIn and then also through the website, vancompass.com. Love that. Lisa Fahey, you are a gem and you are an expert and you are so wise and we cannot thank you enough for being a part of the Leadership is Female podcast. Thank you so much, Emily. I really appreciated uh, being asked to be here today. Huge thank you to Lisa. We talked a lot today about toolboxes and building blocks, metaphorically speaking, as a way to think about your career. Your toolbox is filled with your personal tools or skill sets, and your building blocks are your career achievements. As a success stacks up, the blocks reach a higher height and you get to level up. You earned it. Think about your career in these terms. 
What's in your toolbox? How high do your building blocks stack up? Are there any gaps? Get to work filling the gaps or demonstrating to others how high your tower is built. You can help that person, your company, and yourself. Here are the top four takeaways. Number one, Lisa's career started after she got her MBA. The MBA curriculum differed dramatically from undergrad. She went from learning about a topic to diving into the deep end of research and business practices, hyper-focused to teach critical thinking skills. For Lisa, an MBA was the key to moving into the career she wanted. Number two, your career is a stack of building blocks. Each block represents a skill acquired or a project completed. Look at your role and ask yourself, which building blocks will I acquire from this position? Work on the blocks, name the blocks, and promote the blocks. A leader or a boss can put you in the right role, but no one can guide your career as much as you. Number three, unbalancing family and career. Lisa took a break from the workforce to focus on her family and successfully re-entered the workforce at the same level. You can too. Don't focus on the gap. Focus on what you contributed in the past and what you can bring in the future. And finally, number four, on how to level up, be true to yourself, be authentic, and take ownership of all you have done. Where do the dots of the best accomplishments of your career align? Hone in on those areas and take them to the next level. Hey you, did you join my email list? I want to stay in touch with you so that you'll have the heads up on new podcast episodes and get the tips you are looking for to empower you to level up. It's easy to sign up. Head on over to emilyjansen.com. I'm so excited you are here and I can't wait to help lead you forward in the career of your dreams. Again, that's emilyjanson.com. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us.